Mahler wrote his first complete work, Das Klagende Lied, The Song of Lament. Between 1878 and 1880, during his years as a, a student at the Vienna Conservatory, this legendary cantata for vocal soloists, chorus, and orchestra was originally written in three parts. He called it his Opus One. As a young composer, steeped in the imagery and fantasy of German Romanticism, Mahler naturally chose a subject straight out of German folk legend the tale of a singing bone that reveals a most malevolent fratricide. The sources Mahler used may have included a fairy tale by Ludwig Beckstein, the Grimm Brothers' fairy tale, The Singing Bone, and a poem by Martin Greif, presented by drama students at the Vienna Conservatory while Mahler was a student there. Mahler made many changes in the original tale, He changed the principal characters from a sister and brother to two brothers, possibly because of his attitude toward his family, which did not escape sibling rivalry. After Mahler was unsuccessful in submitting the work for the coveted Beethoven Prize given by the Vienna Conservatory, he made numerous revisions and retouchings to the score, including taking the drastic step of omitting the entire first part. Although it bears the mark of the composer's immaturity, Das Klagende Lied contains musical and dramatic material that foreshadows certain principal characteristics of the composer's style that develop throughout his later works, particularly his narrative format and his use of leitmotifs and special effects, such as the use of an offstage band. The composer who had the greatest influence upon Mahler in composing Das Klagende Lied was undoubtedly Wagner, although there was also influence of Bruckner, Weber, and Hans Marschner, the German opera composer, who flourished during the first half of the 19th century. Mahler's fascination with folk imagery and folk music remained a key element in virtually all of his music. In this early work, however, Mahler had yet to develop a sense of subtlety in his technique and in his manner of expression. Instead, it seems that he was so completely carried away by the grandeur and mystery of his subject that he overloaded the score and the text with clichés that he absorbed from romantic literature, both musical and poetic. To unabashedly obvious Wagnerian themes and Bruckerian chorales, Mahler applied a text rich in Eichendorfian fantasy and imagery. Before the final version of Das Klagende Lied, published in 1900, Mahler, as I said earlier, withdrew part one, which was then titled Waldmärchen, or Forest Legend, a decision which had stirred much controversy then, as it still does. No one disputes the fact that Waldmärchen contains significant thematic and motivic material that reappears in parts two and three trumpet and horn calls, drum beats using Mahler's favorite interval of the fourth, bird song, and Mahler's characteristic triplet rhythms are all present in part one and serve as connective elements that fuse the entire work together. But most commentators recognize that part one is less skillfully written and unnecessarily duplicates the dramatic narrative. Since the discovery of part one in the Yale University Library in 1969, there have been several performances and recordings 
that include part one, some of them utilizing the original version of the score which Mahler had re-instrumented and revised substantially when he eliminated part one. Now here is the narrative uh, of the story, including all three parts. The first part is called, as I said, Waldmärchen, or Forest Legend. Typical of so many medieval legends, the tale originates with a young queen who promised to marry any suitor who has the courage to wander through the dark, forbidding forest in search of a particular red flower. Her challenge is taken up by two brothers, one clearly a good fellow and the other evil. Although the good brother is fortunate enough to be the first one to find the desired object, his evil brother murders him while he is asleep under a willow tree. The evil brother snatches the flower from his dead brother's grasp, leaving his body behind to be slowly buried beneath scattered leaves and flowers. Part two, originally entitled Der Spielmann, the minstrel, involves a wandering minstrel who happens upon a bone that seems to cast a radiant beam of light as if it were beckoning to be discovered among the dead leaves in the forest. After taking up this strange object, the minstrel fashions it into a flute and begins to play upon it. As if by magic, the plaintive sounds drawn from the flute take on the character of the dead brother's lamenting voice that recites the tale of his murder. Part three, originally entitled Hochzeitstück, or a wedding piece, the scene opens in the royal castle where an imperial wedding is in progress, made merry by the exuberant rejoicing of the wedding party over the marriage of their queen. What they do not know is that her intended consort is none other than the evil brother, the ostensible winner of the contest for her hand. Suddenly the minstrel strides in and through the magic of his bone flute relates the tale of the horrible murder. In a violent fit of rage to cover up his guilt and fear, the evil brother tries to force his will upon the instrument, which is an instrument, of course, of his own doom. He grabs the bone flute away from the minstrel and plays upon it himself. The bone flute merely repeats the dreaded accusation, whereupon the queen falls to the ground in a dead faint. The wedding party escapes in utter confusion, and the castle collapses and is completely destroyed. Typical of ancient legends. Mahler introduced numerous motives that he uses throughout the work, indicating that they may have been intended to function as leitmotifs that relate to various characters, events, and conceptual aspects of the drama. Although we have no direct evidence that Mahler intended to identify these motives, as I have done here, I believe that the names I have given to the motives may enhance your listening experience. 